3: Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm Rebecca Milzoff, your host, uh, now Deputy Futures Editor at Billboard. I have a new title as of this week. Hooray! Uh, But I remain your Broadway expert and fan extraordinaire here. So, back in March, if you've been listening to the podcast, you would know I devoted one episode to composer Joe Iconis. If you haven't heard it, dig into the Billboard on Broadway archives and check it out might be a good primer for this week's episode though you can certainly enjoy it without hearing it. Uh, I wanted to talk to Joe back then because generally speaking he's one of the most beloved young composers working in musical theater right now. He is probably most famous for writing the song Broadway Here I Come from the dearly departed TV show Smash Uh, but he's an extremely prolific writer of music and lyrics who has kind of accumulated this community of young artists around him over the years, many of whom starred in his 2015 off-off-Broadway show called Be More Chill. When we spoke back in March, Be More Chill had become what Joe called this monster that keeps growing and growing, because through forces that nobody quite understood, it had become this viral sensation on the Internet years after its debut at a theater in New Jersey. Very strange. Uh, It seemed like it was destined to play on a New York stage soon and indeed, very soon after Joe and I chatted, it was announced that a major off-Broadway production would come in the summer. That production almost instantly sold out. It was extended and... It seems like good things happen for Be More Chill after visits to this podcast, just saying, because it was just announced this past week that the show is going to transfer to Broadway in February. Hooray! Uh, It's kind of a dream trajectory for any musical, um, but also a very long preamble to what I've been telling anyone who will listen to me lately, that Be More Chill is maybe the most exciting new musical I've seen in a while. The cast members who came to this week's episode of the podcast, Will Rowland, Stephanie Hsu, and Jason Tam, along with Joe Iconis himself, uh, can explain its somewhat crazy plot much better and more entertainingly than I can. But suffice to say, it mixes fantasy, sci-fi, sort of pop culture nostalgia and horror with a very real story of what happens when high school anxiety meets the internet. If all of that kind of brings to mind another big recent new Broadway musical, Dear Evan Hansen. I will just say that though they're both great shows, they're very different shows. So don't necessarily go into Be More Chill equating them. Uh, and I will just let the Be More Chill crew explain the rest.
4: It's from Japan!
3: It's a gray, a long pill, quantum nanotechnology CPU. The quantum you the yeah. Cool. But we can start with you all maybe saying who you are and like a little bit about your role since they're all so distinct. Why don't we
0: do that? Um, I am Stephanie Shu and I play the Christine Canigula. And <laughs> and Christine uh, she's my hero these days. She is a weird little bird who loves <laughs> theater and she she is a young mind who believes in the capacity of art to change and she doesn't exactly know what that means and what change is, but she knows it's powerful. And she's not afraid to be herself. And she's awesome. She's a little mascot for all theater she's people. She's a little mascot. I was texting with Stephen Brackett and he said that she's the spirit animal of the show. And I was very totally. <laughs>
5: Um I'm Will Roland and I play Jeremy here, uh, who is uh, the, the unlikely hero of our tale. Um, he is a, a high school junior who is uh, in, in all ways unremarkable. Um, and without giving too many spoilers, he, uh, discovers, uh, this pill that he can take, uh, which is called a squip, which is a computer which will implant in his brain and help him to be more chill, hence the title of the show, so that he can be popular and well-liked and get the girl that he likes and, uh through all this maybe he becomes someone who is not his authentic self um and i think he is our mascot uh for learning <laughs> how to um uh how to love yourself and how to love all parts of yourself um and uh how to reject uh, the evil lure of fascism
3: Whoa. wow <clears throat> you're it's a different mask. kind of mascot altogether, about fascism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs>
5: Uh, I play the
4: Squip. My name is Jason Tam. I play the Squip, which uh, stands for a Super Quantum Unit Intel Processor, which is the pill that Will Rowland's character, Jeremy, takes. And so I am sort of the visual representation of that supercomputer that implants itself in his brain and coaches him on how to be more chill, on how to talk to people that he normally wouldn't be able to talk to in school, on how to interact with people, uh, how to move through social anxiety, um, how to date girls. Uh, and, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so I'm this kind of uh, character that grants him wishes and makes his life better. And then along the same veins as maybe something like Little Shop of Horrors uh, with the plant that initially kind of makes Seymour's life better and cooler. That is exactly and more what powerful. I thought, by the way. I feel very mm-hmm. smart right now. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe aligning yourself with a piece of technology that implants itself in your brain might not be the best choice to make uh and so uh, uh events happen unfold uh that that um there's a, a bit of conflict between uh the will of the squip and the will of jeremy
3: and you wear several very fierce ensembles looks doing looks yeah. As,
4: yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. Luke's, Luke's. as the are kids Luke's are calling, are calling them today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i uh my name is joe iconis and i wrote the music and the lyrics. Of be more chill, and uh, the 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 lyrics are the uh, the words that people say <laughs> that, that rhyme sometimes, and then the music Ooh. is yeah yeah, and the music is when the words um like when someone is saying them they sort of go up up or down uh like like this or like this and the music is that up or down uh pitch we could call it if we wanted to and the rhythm (laughs) of like how fast or slow the words are said thank you for that you're welcome thank you anytime guys i feel like i've learned everything i need to (laughs) and we can all leave now
3: cool thanks Um, So, I I would like to start by rewinding slightly, because it seemed like this show was done for a while a few years ago. Um, Stephanie, you were in the original production. The two of you are newer to it. Mm -hmm. We're fans. Um, We're fans who got in. (laughs) Joe's been around for the duration, I think, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, So, take me back to sort of that moment when things were ending with the New Jersey production where were you at in terms of your iconist awareness, your awareness of the show? And Stephanie, for you, kind of like what did you think was happening next? Were you just like, well,
0: that was fun? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I have always been one, you know, this business is a crazy business. And I've always been like, all I can count on is this exact moment that I'm inside of. And so when the show ended, I was so sad that it wasn't going back to New York and or that there was no news of such happenings. But I was also like, okay, like, ta-da, Elphine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there was definitely a lot of longing in my heart, but I but I was like, okay, I just I also was like I I trust that if it, it will come back, it will come back. Um So so I kind of just, like, let it fly out into the ether and, you know, made clear that I was forever a fan and loyal to Joe Iconis and Stephen Bracken, Joe Trace, and Chase Brock, but that whatever happened would happen or not happen. And it happened. <laughs> Spoiler, it happened. Three years later. <laughs> Well, in a way, it's sort of funny
3: because (laughs) I was thinking that, you know, this has been an unlikely trajectory in many ways. But on the other hand, like this is kind of the time period that it often takes for like a show to get to Broadway or to get to a more major production can take two to three years. Mm -hmm. So it's in a way it feels sort of like natural, but maybe the break in between was sort of
1: the break expected. The break in between is is definitely uh, a sort of unnatural part of our (laughs) part of our journey, (laughs) you know um but yeah but exciting it needs to uh, keep you on the edge of your seat <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely did not think that we would be here talking about the new york production of of our show uh when we finished up at at 2 river and certainly never could have predicted that we would get here like the way we got here you yeah. know it's just not it's not the sort of thing that you like even if you sort of put your faith in the universe you're not like, oh, the show in two years is going to become like a viral <laughs> sensation <laughs> like in a way that no show ever has. And It'll that be okay. will be enough to like, you know, get us a production on 42nd Street. That's just not like something that you or certainly that I would not have like dreamed about, you know. So it's just it's insane and amazing.
0: Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I still don't even understand the capacity of the Internet <laughs> and what it has done
3: yeah. for this show. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah
0: and it's it's just crazy to go from
3: this like off 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 broadway thing to like immediately sold out like yeah. craziness. Yeah. Anyway, we'll return to the craziness, but Will and Jason where did you come from into this uh, orbit? I was born in 1989.
5: <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I, I, I've talked about this like a little bit in various venues. I, um, I did some very early development of Be More Chill. Um, I did w- one of the very first readings uh, at uh, Joy Iconis and Joe Trace's agent's office um, where I read the role Notable now. location. Yeah, where <laughs> I, uh, the office of William Morris Endeavors where uh, where uh, I read the role of Michael which is now played by George Salazar. Um, because alternate I, reality. Yeah, well I'm like uh, I'm the guy you call when you've like got a, a quirky best friend that you want to hear, uh, and he's only on a page right now. Uh, and so I did some very early development, um, and then there were some more like workshops that uh, I was not a part of, and then um, I auditioned for the production in New Jersey, uh, and I didn't get it, which hurt my feelings at the time, but it all worked out. Sorry. Um, it's okay. It's not your fault. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, in the, in the meanwhile, uh, I, that same summer that y'all were in New Jersey, um, I went to D.C. and did this play called Dear Evan Hansen, Mm -hmm. um that Mm -hmm. worked out very well for me in the year's interim um and then uh yeah and then sometime this spring uh i got a call from my good friend joe iconis asking me to be in this play and uh and thus i was given the opportunity to be uh the leading man of a joe iconis musical in a major new york production that uh people seem to be enjoying (laughs) so that's my whole life (laughs) What you about you, Jason? You may speak in perfect uh, monologues
4: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I, um, back maybe like six years ago, recorded a demo of Michael in the Bathroom, which is a song that Michael sings. So there's like there's a lot of Michael happening right now. This day, yeah. um, and it also,
3: it literally never leaves your head after you hear it. It does not. Um, it does
4: never. not. You are correct. Uh, Joe writes some good tunes. And um, I watched it happen from a distance and I I didn't I wasn't aware of the the um, uh, details of that run um, I wasn't in the middle of it and so I from a my perspective I was like oh yeah this is totally gonna happen it's just a matter of time I didn't I wasn't aware that there was like a period where it kind of like went dormant for a little bit mm-hmm. which is that kind of right that's like a thing that happened sort of is it sort oh, yeah. of like slept
1: <laughs> yeah I would use the word dead Dead. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that's the word that I was thinking, and yeah. and I wanted to be polite. So I said no one. man. Um, cool.
4: It died. Yeah. It died. Yeah. Now that I know the history of it, but mm-hmm. from my perspective, it never looked like it died. uh It just seemed like it was uh, on its. You know, things take time to develop. They take a while to get places. So that's what I thought. And anyway, I'm so thankful that it. Uh, rose from the ashes, and that I get to be part of it.
3: So, Joe, I'm curious, over the years since the first production, was there interest in other productions, or after the viralness happened, was there, like, a similar influx of interest in producing it again? Like, how did this kind of come about?
1: You know, it's um, it's kind of strange it, uh, in the interim, uh, to be totally honest, there just wasn't a lot of interest because the sort of weird reality of, you know, musical theater, um, the world of musical theater is that when you have a show like ours that isn't, you know, based on a, a bankable property or brand and there isn't like a fancy commercial producer attached or there's like a really famous person who's in it. Um, it's hard to get people interested in it, you know. Uh, And so, especially when it's already sort of had this world premiere production, which we had had. Um, And so it took a while to get it licensed. And so I got it licensed by Rodgers and Hammerstein and... uh, You know, the rights sort of slowly became available over the course of uh, two years, but there just wasn't a ton of uh, professional interest in the show. And then when it sort of started going viral, uh, which was amazing, it took a really long time for me to get people interested in it, even with these like crazy numbers that now everyone is talking about. And, you know, we've been Mm -hmm. streamed 100 million times (laughs) and uh, the second most popular musical on Tumblr for 2017, all this like these these incredible uh, sort of mind boggling statistics uh, they weren't like quite enough to get people uh to say okay i'm going to do this thing for a really long time uh and it's actually when i think about when you know our our, our lead producer Jerry Goran who's an amazing dude uh when he came on board it's i mean it was you know it it, it like in this year is in you know the calendar year 2018 like this thing did not exist Uh, You know, seven months ago. It's just kind of nuts to think about how fast it came together when it came together because it feels so like inevitable now. There's this sort of like, of course, be more chill um, but, like, as the person who is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sending emails and making calls, like, I promise, like, not, of course. You yeah. took, like, so much baking and so many dinners and, like, and it's just it's the craziest thing that it's happened in the way it has.
3: It's really interesting. So when you all come back to it from the, the various positions you were in, does it feel like kind of just picking up where you left off? Does it feel like a completely different show in some ways?
4: Um I having not been in it uh it feels um like I'm getting to do a show with a bunch of my friends cuz that's the case that is you know I know these people for uh 12 years and most of them and um it feels really great I was telling Joe at the beginning or maybe I maybe I didn't tell you but it's it was I'm used to the work that we do together feeling a little scrappier in like a fun way, in a really great way, in a way that I celebrate. So it was interesting to like come into this rehearsal process and have like see everybody on like laptops and <laughs> and see like a wall of of um of uh, uh specs, you know, costume specs and and um uh stage design specs and uh it felt fancy and fun and and different uh and I liked it. It was exciting.
0: Yeah, I I sort of feel like When we first did it, it was like a piece of cake. Like, not like, oh, a piece of cake, but like, (laughs) oh, I'm I'm like, this is so yummy. Mmm. Ooh, so fun. So yummy. (laughs) I'm out of town. Do you know what I mean? I'm like in great housing. that's like just treating yourself to this cake. I went to yoga every single day because it took, it was like a five minute walk from my apartment. You know, it was like, oh, cake. And now I'm like, oh my God, this is like fudge. You know what I mean? It (laughs) (laughs) It feels like sinking your teeth even deeper. And and or like, you know, you could say like a fine wine, right? Where just the three years, I really do believe that good art sort of comes through and shines even brighter when it's exactly the right time for it. And right now, the way that it's all happened and the power of young people right now in the world is making this piece even more powerful and certainly more apparent to me. And so I I feel like... so grateful to return to this piece because it just feels like even though most of the material for christine at least is the same i just feel like we've we've gotten to sink so much deeper into it
5: yeah i um i mean I've, it's for me it's 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 brand new except for uh you know the little bit that i'd done before and i, I did see it twice in new jersey and i absolutely uh, I absolutely fell in love with it, and I was like uh, such an incredible adherent to like. The, I listened to that cast recording like every day for a for a period of months. I was like, I'm just gonna put on. I'm gonna skip to the last minute of Be More Chill because I want to hear that everything about you is going to be wonderful. Um, that was like my like anthem on the train in the morning. Um, which is really lame, but true. Um, and uh, and so to get to like dig into this material from the text point of view and to get to collaborate with you and with you and with you and everyone. I gestured to the three other people who are on this podcast when I said you, you, and I'm you. I'm a ghost. Yes, ghost <laughs> Um So I just like to make that in such a collaborative way was uh, kind of overwhelming and, and incredible. Um, and also, like, I have, like you know, dreamt of being in Joe Iconis musicals since uh, I met Joe Iconis, which is about 10 years ago. And so uh, I've had the opportunity to do some scrappy concerts, and we were lucky enough to do the Black Suits together twice. Um, But to do a production in New York City on this scale with talent of this caliber, um, is like really amazing. It's really an incredible thing. Uh, And we have a lot of fun. And we're all friends. And that's not a thing that happens all the time.
3: We text like-
4: each other a lot. There's like Alonic. a yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: that seems appropriate. And what about for you to come back to it? Although I mean, maybe it sort of never leaves you in certain ways.
1: No, I mean, as far as actually actively writing it, uh, I definitely you know sort of put the pause button on uh, post Jersey, uh, and so it's been uh, it's been really cool to come back to it. I've never had this experience of uh, having, you know, uh, such a long amount of time between two productions of something uh, in the way that I did with Be More Chill. And so, you know, stuff that I by the time you know, when you're when you're when you're doing a world premiere production of a new musical, I feel like you just. It's not that you, like, finish it once it opens. You just kind of have to stop working on it because it's opening night. You know, (laughs) so there were things that I wanted to do in Jersey that we just simply didn't have enough time to do. And so to um, return to the show, you know, come back to it and actually try some of those things... Uh, is really amazing once after uh, with the added benefit of having three years, you know, perspective on the whole thing. And you know, some of the new material that I've written for the show this time around, I couldn't have written three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a different writer, I'm a different person. The world is different, um, and I'd like to think that it's um, that I'm better and that I'm more equipped to write. You know, be more chill today uh, than I was three years ago, and so it's um, it's it's pretty cool, and it's a really um, it's an awesome gift, you know, but also there's something to be said for like when you're doing that sort of first pass at something, or at least I, it's really easy for me to sort of access the, the vibe you know, and so it's really, you know, when I'm like sort of rolling with something, my brain is there. And so when I was, you know, the first time around when we were doing Be More Chill, I wrote a few songs sort of in the rehearsal process. And I just knew the sound of the show in and out. I had all like the sort of different strains of melodies in my head. And so that stuff just kind of happened. Um, and this time around, it was a little bit harder to like get back on on the train. You know, it was <laughs> like I had to like really remind myself, okay, in this show... These are the sort of chords that I like to go to. And this, these are like the melodic motifs and stuff that I normally don't have to think about because I'm normally writing things in such a sort of concentrated way. Uh, so that was kind of kind of fun to to immerse myself in the show again as if I hadn't written it the first mm-hmm. time.
3: That's cool. And yeah. to not be too judgmental about what you did in the past, too.
1: I was really judgmental, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite hard on myself. It's
5: part of what makes you good. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs>
3: Well, I think that one of the things that's so great about this show is that it just, like, has this complete, like, forward energy. Like, it feels Mm -hmm. like it kind of never stops until the end, not in an exhausting way, but in a, like wow, I didn't even realize that that first act went by that fast Mm -hmm. kind of way. Um, And that feels like really appropriate to like the energy of what it feels like to be in high school. Like everything feels like it's moving super fast and your brain is moving really fast and you speak really quickly. Like I I feel like I remember from when I was in high school, like all adults around me always were like, slow down. Slow down. <laughs> like, you're talking too fast. And I was like, I'm talking at normal speed. What's the problem? Um, <laughs> so I I was curious, w- what were you all like in high school? Were you at all like your characters?
5: Um, I was very well-liked. In high school, <laughs> it was very popular. And things have and now I am a pariah in the industry. Um, no one likes me. Uh, no, but I, um, you know, I. There were a lot of things about uh, Jeremy that are obviously taken from me. I mean, we can only like we as actors can only get like so far from ourselves. We like to think that we're like, oh yeah, I can, I can transform. I'm a chameleon. But like, you know, with inevitably these characters take on uh, a bit of ourselves and i think like uh jeremy makes a lot of like uh shrieks and yelps and noises that are very much from the heart of will roland um and there's a lot about this guy's sort of uh he like he had, uh, he makes a lot of attempts uh to fit in and to be liked and to be seen uh in this play uh, most of them go poorly um which i think is more a result of the world than like i think like if jeremy here had like gone to my high school he might have had a better time than like the <laughs> school that he's at like i truly think that like jeremy attempts things that i might have attempted uh but they just like went better for me than they do for jeremy <laughs> and so it's part of what i think is in my own sort of like figuring out this story and like why you know why is this kid so tortured by his like outsideriness i think that like the, the world has to be unfair to him a little bit because otherwise he's like <laughs> He's like he's doing everything wrong, and like you know, I, I'd like to think that he's like he's just got the wrong tact that he's taking with stuff. Mm-hmm. But me in high school, like uh, yeah, just like uh, I did a lot of theater, and that was like a very cool thing to do at my high school because, well, that was a terrible answer. <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> no, no, it's Thank true. You. Um, I played basketball when I was in high school. Um, (laughs) I did. I'm, for those of you who don't know, I'm 4'11 and three-fourths tall. Um, and I played (laughs) basketball. Grew up in LA. Loved the Lakers. Um, I was a total, I was a really huge, like, social butterfly. And I had a lot of different friend groups. But, um, in primarily my freshman year, I was like, screw drama drama's lame i play basketball <laughs> and um my my friend my good friend who i've known since kindergarten who now is an incredible music artist his name's Ryan Amador he was like the one who was like oh you should um you should audition for drama 1 advanced which really was just drama 1 regular but you just like had to meet the teacher you know what i mean <laughs> um and i think throughout high school i eventually quit basketball but um <clears throat> for theater and I think eventually definitely I think I when I was young I've I've always been very opinionated the same way that Christine Canegula is and maybe less uh like overtly frantic but definitely passionate and wanting change and not exactly knowing where to put that energy. But I definitely never felt adored the way that I feel like this show adores christine like i didn't walk through the halls and hear stephanie you know what i mean like you know i had flirtations and all that but i did not feel like i was standing on a pallet and sliding center stage actors didn't lift you up (laughs) numerous times in the show exactly um so yeah so it's been it's been fun to sort of like i don't know she's she's so sweet I think I was a little like tougher around the edges. Tougher being an athlete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, being an athlete.
4: Uh, I was so I'm trying to play with um uh being chill as the squip. So in addition <laughs> to coaching Jeremy on how to be chill that he's sort of the embodiment of being chill. So he's kind of leading by example. Um I was not chill in high school at all, not even like a little bit. I was very much a late bloomer. I was very boyish um up until through college really. Um <clears throat> and uh yeah so i was i was like the complete opposite of the script that i'm playing i also remember dealing with sadness and not really mm-hmm. knowing like why or even like what what was happening these just having feelings um and and i think that a lot of young adults that uh really um are digging the show also sort of deal with those feelings as well i guess everybody does it's a human thing um and I think the show does a really good job of addressing those things, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so I'm very thankful to be part of it for that reason. And uh, yeah, I wish I wish I had a squip in nope. in high school sort of kind of that didn't eventually try to take over my
1: entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was, uh, I was really quiet in high school. I was a really nice young man. Uh, I like the term "late bloomer" that Tam just said. I was definitely a late, 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 late bloomer, <laughs> like a like an after midnight bloomer, <laughs> super late show. Uh, and I loved theater so much; it just everything I did sort of revolved around theater and music. And I, you know, I played piano for all the the musicals, and and I loved them. I loved being in rehearsal. That was my favorite thing always. Uh, anytime I could be in any sort of rehearsal situation, I just loved it so much. And I would always be, um, I'd feel uncomfortable to like participate in a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. I would like observe. Like I loved just be, I love like sitting behind a piano and just like watching all of the the actors who were like so cool and so like, comfortable with themselves and so like, you know, outgoing, just like watching them as if I was in a zoo or something, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the whole world. Um, Yeah, that was me.
4: Joe, you are, a night blooming flower like that is that's who you yeah. are i love yeah, that yeah
1: nice Just
0: whiskey into the
4: soil <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: blooms
4: right he, up yes and he sprouts <laughs> do, do, you, do you get
3: called a night blooming flower every day no <laughs> but he will now the yeah. first time <laughs> yeah, yeah. make a t-shirt
1: oh my gosh yeah not enough t-shirts man um yeah so that was that was uh that was me you know and people always ask me which character i'm the most like or the, the the character I was the most like in high school in the show and it really is like all of them like I look at all of those characters and I see uh, parts of myself in like the realist uh, realist way But it sounds know?
3: like I love play rehearsal would be your personal
1: For <laughs> sure yes for sure but I was in no way uh, as articulate and confident in myself as uh, Christine Canigula is you know, I would say, like, I would, like, whisper, I love play rehearsal to my best friend. And then be like, oh, I hope it didn't, like, you know, I, hope I was, like, blathering because I expressed my feelings. <laughs> it would be like that, you know?
2: Yeah. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott.
0: cool fact
3: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com
0: something that i think is really interesting that you said rebecca and also you jason tam you were saying that it feels like the energy is just like bursting off the stage and Mm -hmm. jason you were talking about having, remembering having so many like feelings mm-hmm. and like not knowing what to do with them or just feelings of sadness or what am I doing? And I think that in, we've been calling this production of be more chill, um, 2.0 and in 2.0, I think something, you know, that we've really learned or that has been really highlighted for us in the past three years is like all the young people who are gravi- who have gravitated towards the show are right in that moment. And as you get older, you can like look upon those memories fondly and or whatever, but even still there's a little bit of removal. It just feels so far away or those feelings were so painful that you don't really want to like revisit them every single morning. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> and so I feel like We've learned so much. I mean, and the reason why these kids have really gravitated towards it is because they're like exploding with energy and they never get to see something that is really for them that matches the level and intensity of feeling and passion and emotion that they're going through.
3: Well, I was going to say that the night that I came to see the show and I get the sense
0: that it's like this every night, perhaps there was like this
3: line of people waiting outside. And I mean, for people who haven't seen the show, this is this is in sort of a theater center that's not like a typical Broadway. Lo- it is a theater we are like center. No, no, I just I'm just like, <laughs> this
5: show is like nothing the Signature Center has ever seen. <laughs> exactly. I movie. have
3: never seen this at the oh. Signature Center. And it's like, I've never seen like stage dooring happen and there's no actual stage door per se. Um, but it was just crazy to see the, um, the teens lined up at the end and like mm-hmm. screaming every time someone came out who is usually <laughs> not one of you, but <laughs> it was just like, they're coming. No, really they're coming this time. Um, but it was, it was really like encouraging and cool to see. Um, I I want to talk about the squip wall a little bit because oh, yeah. the squip wall is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess a good place to start is, since we're at Billboard and we're talking about music, um, I noticed that a lot, a lot of the um, names that people write on the post-its are actually like musicians and artists. um, And it was cool to see like what a variety of people were there. Um, Are there music artists who have been squips for all of you throughout life? Now? Past?
5: If I I had to like choose a a specifically musical squip, I might have like a David Bowie squip, like a Mel Torme squip. Um. Yeah. <laughs> to give you two completely different flavors. But I think also we live in like American English parlance. The word uh, rock star is synonymous with the words cool and the words famous and popular and celebrity. You know, they're all like to be a rock star is to be the coolest possible thing you could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's like not, you know, I'm not surprised that like so many people are like, yeah, like Katy Perry is my squip or, you know, or, uh, mm-hmm. I don't. Know, Katy Perry is the coolest person I could think of like at a, at a glance.
0: I think mine would be um, a four-part combination of Grace McLean, mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar, Chance the Rapper, and Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's not you even have Beyonce, but I had to like <laughs> toss her in there because how could you not? Yeah. Yes, completely. <laughs> I want to know why Mel Torme.
5: <laughs> I mean, just think about like what he represented as this sort of like croony sex symbol, and I mean, like there's no voice that that like melts a, a heart and a crotch faster than Mel Torme. <laughs> Uh, Crotch melting, yeah. (laughs) Crotch crotch melting crooner. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
4: Um, I would also second Bowie uh, just because of his um, uh, unrelenting passion for what he did and his involvement in every single aspect Mm -hmm. of his artistry Mm -hmm. and how bold and daring he was and how ahead of his time he was and true to himself. Um, I think at the time that I was in high school, my squip probably would have been Sondheim <laughs> because oh, yeah. because uh, <laughs> Jason. I know I know <laughs> because he helped me understand what it was to be human in a way that um, a lot of other people
1: uh, didn't. Yeah, my my musical squip in in high school definitely was Sondheim, and it and he's one of my three squips now.
3: Where are your other two squips?
1: Uh, Martin Scorsese and Kermit the Frog. Oh, excellent. Uh yeah, that's my Squip trio. That's
3: a good Squip trio. Yeah, wow. Yeah.
1: I mean I guess Kerman's kind of musical too. You know? Yeah. He'd be like he'd be I mean, he's a helpful squip and uh I think, you know, guided me towards like family and loyalty. Um but also like, you know, being um being chill sometimes. Like Kermit's are really good. He's very chill. Sort of like, well, yeah, sometimes like he's a, not like, chill at all. But yeah. well, no, I know. Actually, yeah, that's so funny. But I think of like, I'm thinking of like, like sitting on a lily pad Kermit, like Rainbow yeah. Connection Kermit. Um, but he also, you know, he has multitudes in him because then he also has the like, like arms above his head screaming Kermit. Yes. So, yeah. yeah.
3: And so much great Muppet music, too.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Muppets truly, I think, are, are one of the best uh, musical collectives yes. of our time. For I sure.
3: just I just started rewatching Fraggle Rock. Oh so yeah! I decided that it would better my life, and yeah. the first episode alone has like so many <laughs> different musical genres represented, including like the Trash Heap, who's kind mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm, a Borscht mm-hmm, Belt mm-hmm. comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a it's a lot to take in. That's great could have an entire podcast about. Rock. <laughs> yeah. um, how, do you guys read the wall like from time to time? Because get... there, there are also funny things on it too. I saw somebody's squip was like her grandmother's eggplant parmesan. Mm-hmm. I think
0: mm-hmm.
5: I've, I've glanced at the wall. What I get is um, I get texts from our producer Jennifer Tepper with pictures of the wall because I'm like afraid to hang oh. out out there because I'm like a very uh, I get very like anxious about uh, strangers coming up to me uh, when I'm off the clock. Strange is, is a word that I use to describe people I don't know personally. Um, and uh, But so I've gotten some, uh, I've, I've seen some cool ones, like uh, my attorney's name was on there, Jessica Cant is someone's squip. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the squip wall is amazing because uh, because it's, it's amazing. Like, people are so wonderful. People's brains are so incredible and creative. And, like, the crazy stuff that comes out of Christine Canigula's mouth is, like, contained within all of us um, mm-hmm. at various moments. And the Squip ball is a great representation. I'm trying to think of some other like gems. I saw Charlie Rosen's beard was one of them. That's uh, Charlie's orchestrator. Wow. Um, That's specific.
4: Oh, I just thought of a new Squip for me. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Go. going back to like five minutes ago, Patty Smith. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good squip. Yeah. Well, really see, and script. also,
0: I was like, oh, it's so funny. We're all like, oh my gosh, I love my squip. I didn't say the squip that I wanted to say, <laughs> but my, <laughs> when I was, I would say Just like that. Those are like music squips. The um, mm-hmm. voices in my head, if you will. Mm-hmm. Those are my music squips. But so when I was in high school, my music squip would also have been Regina Spector in a mm-hmm. very big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my real squip in life, I really still stand by this. I said this randomly once at a talk back and it's a tree. <laughs> 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 and it feels important that I make that clear. <laughs> so on brand for you, Stephanie Hsu.
4: Oh, also Eddie Vedder. That would be another squip of mine during high school. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: I want what I love about the squip wall with the post-its. I was thinking about this on the way here is that I love the inter we I we had some version of that at Two River. I think it was just like a what was it? It
1: was like a like a like an easel where people wrote on. Yeah, it was like an easel. Yeah, yeah.
0: But the post-its are so reminiscent of. I don't know if you saw the post-it wall that happened in um, Union, Union Square, Square mm-hmm. after oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> the election. And I, yes, totally. I think that Didn't is think so. That. I was thinking about that on the way here, and I was like, I love this post-it squip wall because it it provides a sort of. Um, Platform for these young people to be active and speak and have conversation in a way that is so reminiscent and parallel of something that took place out of a very intense moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah, no, the it's most politically a- correct way I know how to say that. <laughs> Especially
3: with the, all the fluorescent colors, it's like such a physical manifestation of like mm-hmm. so many all the feelings, yeah. Yeah. all the feels. I'm
1: yeah, I'm I'm like obsessed with it, and because I am not in the show, I you know I I, I spend uh, a fair amount of time in the lobby and like in the hallway, you know, where the school ball is sort of overtaken, <laughs> and it it really does feel like it's like become part of the structure or something, you know. And it's amazing to now like when you walk. When you walk down the hallway um, to go in the the doors of the theater, you now have to sort of walk through um, a portion of the hallway that's covered in the script wall. And it feels like, oh, you have to like literally walk through the collective like energy of all these people Mm -hmm. who come to see the show. Um, And it's so, it feels so correct. It's like, it's kind of moving. huge collective energy. I mean, people
4: come up, uh, you know, they they cosplay, they come up dressed in, in various costumes, some of which are meant to mimic and some of which take it to like a whole next level. Mm-hmm. like this piece is inspiring so much creation because they'll also do like fan fiction and they'll do fan art there's like an incredible amount of fan art that's happening online uh having to do with the show it's so cool to watch this sh- this show uh uh inspire that in other people Whoa. creation
3: oh, So, Jason, you mentioned Little Shop of Horrors before, and um, I definitely wanted to talk about all the sort of influences that are floating around in this show because it Mm -hmm. brought to mind so many things for me. And I think it's cool that, you know, it feels so of this moment and modern and like with it. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, there's a lot of nostalgic stuff in it especially like sort of 80s kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I think like mm-hmm. um like weird science little shop mm-hmm. like a lot a lot of those kind of uh sci-fi meets pop culture moments so I was curious like sort of what um things were infiltrating your brain when you were working on it and does is anything come have come to mind for the three of you being in it
1: um yeah I mean there's so many so many things like that that sort of worked their way into the the writing the, of the show, like the actual like writing of the songs and um you know, musically and lyrically, and the orchestration too mm-hmm. um but certainly um you know the 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 big uh, sort of umbrella touchstones for uh for myself and Joe Trace as we were creating the show uh were uh fifties uh monster movies you know fifties oh, yeah. like sort of like space invaders movies, like this idea of like you know this alien force. Uh, infiltrating a, a population of people. Totally. Um, which is where the sort of theremin stuff in the show came from. You know, we have a theremin mm. uh, in the musical. Um, I always love a good theremin. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is real good. It's, it's pretty <laughs> amazing. We're one of the few musicals ever to have a theremin in the, in the pit in the more orchestration. Theremin, more theremin. Yeah, the- more mm. theremin, right? Um, and so that sort of came from there. And then, um, so it was that, and then uh, 1980s uh, sort of teen horror movies. Uh, it was a huge influence on, on, um, us and specifically me in the, the in the music. So a lot of like, uh, John Carpenter yeah. stuff, hmm. uh, so, uh, all of the keyboard sounds in the show are, um, pretty much ripped off from, uh, from John Carpenter <laughs> scores, both, uh, well-known and obscure you know, um, Mm. and it's something that I was like so obsessed with when we were first doing the orchestrations of the show to be like, Oh no, it has to sound like the keyboard from, from Halloween three, or it has to sound like this like weird, you know, synth (laughs) sound from like the fog, (laughs) like this real specific stuff that like probably no one will ever notice. Um, unless if John Carpenter comes to the show and sues me or something, but, uh, (laughs) it's, it's just, I just think it like, it adds to this, like this feeling of like, Oh, this thing, there's just something, there's something off about this world, you know, and it has, it, it makes it, um, impossible, I think to to not think about the style of it and why why it's styled in the way it is, um, but yeah, so we had the '80s horror, '50s uh, alien movie, and uh, sort of '90s teen comedy. You know, stuff like Can't Hardly Wait, and uh, even like The Faculty, mm-hmm. or the, the horror stuff. Those were sort of like these um, the genre touchstones that we wanted to write uh, write in, and um, yeah, yeah. But you know, even like the references in the lyrics of the show, they're very specifically kind of all over the place and none of them are contemporary. You know, like we t- and within the first minute of the show we, um, you know, I, I, I talk about Rob De Niro and, and Joe Pesci, you know, very sp- uh, purposefully and specifically, like I'm not talking about like a Kardashian, or I'm not, you know, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, like whoever, um, because I think I, I want it to feel like it's this world that is is now it's contemporary, but all the characters are like sort of referencing things of the past, you know, and it's sort of mm-hmm. I think it's like all every everyone in the show is sort of these people who are impossible to categorize, you know, and they're they're sort of these like messy, misfitty people, and it feels like the the references uh, should also kind of be messy and misfitting mm-hmm. in that way, and a mm-hmm. little bit like out of date. You know,
4: there's yeah. definitely like a lot of nostalgia in the mm-hmm. show for sure. The orchestrations, mm-hmm. a lot of them, when appropriate, are so synthastic. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's something you know, Michael Mel, uh, the character is is obsessed with discontinued soft drinks like the, mm-hmm. the Ghostbusters tie-in drink Ecto Cooler and <laughs> Crystal Pepsi and all like Mountain Dew Red. Um, and uh, and there's something really cool I think in the zeitgeist right now about. That, um, I sort of noticed a little bit of it in Ready Player One mm-hmm. and in <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> Stranger Things. There's There seems to be this kind of like effort to reward people that are aware of where they came from, of where everything that's mm-hmm. happening now came from. Um, mm-hmm. and And yeah, and I dig it.
5: And I think that, you know, in addition, piggybacking on both of those ideas, both the sort of richness and all these things in the in the score and the book that like people might never even notice. Mm -hmm. And this sort of like these pop culture Easter eggs that are like littered throughout our design and throughout our writing and throughout our performances. um, You know, I, I think that. Uh, our show, like so many shows, like uh, or like any show, like some people come to it and like, oh, they like, you know, they get it. They get the broad strokes. Some people come to it and they like, they don't get it. They're like, I don't know why people like this. And then there are some people that come and they like they get it so profoundly that I'm like amazed at how many things they pick up on in mm-hmm. like a single viewing. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. we obviously have like these people who are like super fans of the show who like know every single word of it. But the most amazing thing to me is when someone, like, sees it for the first time and points out, like, all these things that we all know are in there, but I just assume they're like, oh, no one's going to get that. It just, like, makes it a little bit richer. But, like, these things are, like, really, really, they hit people on like, a gut level. And they recognize them, and it gives them a Mm buy-in to the piece that uh, you might not have uh, if you didn't so carefully pack it with richness.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: It makes sense. Well, I have to ask the three of you because we have to give Joe some flattery. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like the way that you've spoken about Joe's music is the way people always seem to speak about his music is mm-hmm. like I was dying to be part of the Joe Iconis mm-hmm. family. Um, and, it, you know, it's a rare thing to inspire that kind of fandom. Uh, so what is it about Joe's music that's so incredible both to hear and perform? I, I mean, watching you in the show, I was struck by just how many words there are. It's like a lot mm-hmm. of words to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the seemed... best
5: lyrics being written today. Yeah. I say that with no yes, exception. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I was just curious, what, um, what is it about Joe that's so great?
4: I, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go I think ahead. I think uh, his words and music are are bright and dangerous. I think they're bright. They're shiny. They make you lean forward. They're entertaining. They're earworms, um, and they're also edgy and and uh, uh, very specific and very um, uh, like Stephanie was talking about. Just these people that are, these characters, these high schoolers that are bursting with feelings, and I feel like Joe can write about somebody that's bursting with feelings in a way that is very unsentimental in a way that I love. I I think that that um, is such a fine line to walk, uh, Mm. to be able to talk about bursting with emotions without coming across as being sappy and over sweet. Um, And I think that Joe does that with an art that uh, nobody else does.
0: This sounds um, incredibly trite, but it's like the first thing that came to mind. And I'm going to say it into Joe's eyes. And you can't see me sing, saying these into Joe's eyes because you can't see hear my eyes. But here, um, you just get it. You just really get it. And I feel like when I hear your music and your words, it's like I am like writing a stream and the stream is both melody and lyric, you know, and it's so simple in so many ways. And, and yet so, and it's profound because of that. Like the new song that has been written for Jeremy is like, is just when that got brought into the rehearsal room, I think all of us were just in tears because I mean, like the hook is like "Whoa, uh huh, uh huh," and yet it says so much of like how you pro- how we as humans process, you know, feeling or thought. We're not necessarily always like, "Well, you know, I am going to think about this and think about that." Sometimes it's just like "Blah, blah, blah," you know, or "Uh huh, uh huh, yeah." And then he puts that, Joe. You put that to music and pitch and tone, and and it's yeah, it. It's it's so expansive and it's unlike any writer I know that is out there and it's incredible and I'm so grateful And you're so funny. You're so funny in like a Mm. kind of a dopey way, Mm. (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it's so amazing.
5: Um, And I, uh, First of all, I want to say thank you for giving us this opportunity to like look at Joe and tell him how good he is. I couldn't look at Joe when I was talking. We (laughs) We usually can't do this outside of the bar. Um, But (laughs) I, uh, so I'm going to crib some quotes from Joe Iconis and from the great John Simpkins, who is a great collaborative friend of ours through the years. Um, The thing that Joe does that I think resonates so deeply uh, is that you write in characters' voices in the exact words that they have. Yeah. One of the things that you and I have discussed is, like, it's so awful when you have this, like, uh, you know, mumbling, stuttering character who all of a sudden turns to the audience and speaks straight effing poetry <laughs> at you. <laughs> um, and it's like, what the hell? Like, if all of this lives within this person, like, why can't they just say this? Um, and so you write mm. uh, in the, in the addled, uh, challenged vernacular of the characters that you create. Um, you then set them to bold and interesting melodies. Uh, you make everything rhyme, uh, which is really hard to do and yeah. takes going the extra mile. Um, and then when those words run out, to quote what you said and what our friend John has said so many times, is when you're out of words, uh, in so many joy of songs, these sounds come in. These na-na-na-na's and these oh-oh's and these uh-huh-uh-huh's, all of these things. Are the feelings and the desires and the 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 inner soul of these characters and these people who are just like us, um, and we don 't have words for mm-hmm. those feelings mm-hmm. and that 's why we do musicals and that 's why these musicals reach such an emotional height that we they can no longer be spoken nor sung, but they just have to be sounds um, mm-hmm. Our favorite scene in the show well my favorite scene in the show uh, consists of Jeremy and Christine (laughs) uh, on a couch, um, and Jeremy doesn't know what to say because his squip is not working, and Christine says, just say what's on your mind, Um, and all Jeremy can do is, uh, I believe in the script it says, Jeremy makes a noise, Um, (laughs) and that is what we do every night. Uh, We make a noise because there is no word in English to describe how we're feeling and what we're trying to say,
3: and this guy does it better than anybody. (laughs) It's a really enjoyable moment. <laughs>
0: this
1: was fun. Thank, thanks everyone. <laughs> I feel like I was I was here for my own memorial service or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way to spend a Tuesday yeah. <laughs> or Wednesday. What is so today? At your own <laughs> funeral. funeral. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes.
4: Oh my God. Well, Can I? can I do a real quick thing I'm so sorry I process things really slowly so I'm constantly going back to things 15 minutes ago I love it so I just your squip is no (laughs) I have a question for Stephanie your squip is a tree Can you please talk more about that? Like that just sank in. What kind of tree? Everybody's Is it a specific very tree? Okay,
0: with that so I was like <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you said what kind of tree because I recently have been thinking to myself, you know, I don't know enough about specific kinds of trees and I'm I'm really working towards a a world in which I I am better at identifying trees. <laughs> And their healing properties. Um, but what I mean by that, <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe right that you His you're... head is on the
4: table and he's dying.
0: Well, I just, you know, similar to how, you know, when we as humans don't know, so we make sound or we know, we uh-huh, uh-huh, woo-woo-wah-wah, I have to find ground. And I really believe in the ways in which there are patterns inside of nature and nature structures that Teach us how things work, actually. Mm-hmm. And a tree is quite powerful and has root systems that also connect to other trees. And so sometimes when I don't know something and am lost, I often look to nature and how it functions around us to better understand how to either stay rooted, hey, or or follow or trust the res- the natural resilience that is actually all around us on this planet.
4: I love that.
0: That's great. Musical theater! Is is (laughs) your inner
3: voice like an Italian gangster?
5: (laughs) I said it it earlier in the program, uh, and in case the last 10 minutes hasn't made it clear, we're all friends. (laughs) (laughs) You're all trees.
3: (laughs) Well, I... It's it's very sad when I tell people about the show because I'm like, it's the best show ever and you kind of can't see it yet unless you have a ticket. <laughs> so I, I was told that there's maybe like some news of like, if you don't have a ticket right now, like you should not give up hope in terms of seeing the show. There's, yeah, there's a cancellation line,
5: <laughs> which you ah. can get in an hour before the show. Excellent. Uh, you put your name on a list and they give you a ticket if there's a ticket available. There's also a lottery available via Today ah. Um which you can enter on the day of the show. And... uh Get a pretty affordable seat.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like $29.
5: Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know about yeah, the lottery. Yeah. People should lotterize. Do the lottery. Yeah. And
0: it's every day, the lottery is every day. Yeah. Excellent. And I think it's
4: a digital lottery too, right? Like you don't a, even have to show up.
1: Do it from the comfort of it, your computer. Phone. It really laziness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Be or it can be the reason. Say you haven't left your apartment in a, a day or three days or a month or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if, if you win the lottery, from normal. You're chill. It'll be the reason that you get out of bed. <laughs> and so it's uh, we're doing a huge service to people <laughs> who can't leave their apartments for one reason or another. You can
0: also can apparently buy tickets on StubHub for like a thousand dollars. So <laughs> you know just, if you want to drop some coin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you guys uh got an extension, so it's going
3: we got
4: an extension than it's it's going so well It sold out in like six hours or something, right? Something crazy it's like insane.
1: that. Yeah, it's insane. It's yeah. really cool. It's, it's very it feels cool like there's actual like human beings who want to see our show. Like, there are. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um Yeah. And we actually have some exciting news in that um after we finish the run of the signature. We've decided to all get together and just do the show on a street corner somewhere in New York City. (laughs) And so we're gonna do it. It's uh, don't worry, I'm gonna tell you guys later. But we're gonna do (laughs) it. We're just gonna perform it on a street corner. We don't know where and we're not gonna tell anyone. But if you happen (laughs) upon a street corner <laughs> After the run of Be More Chill, the signature center is done, and you see the cast, or what you think to be the cast of Be More Chill at signature signature center, <laughs> performing the entire show a cappella on a street corner. You will be correct because that is what <laughs> we're going to do.
5: I love busking. Wow.
1: It's yeah, yeah.
5: Showtime.
3: Well, I was. I was just going to say that I. I deeply hope that there is a life for it beyond the signature, and I'm glad to know that there. there already is. will be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what more is there to say? Well, <laughs> Thank you guys. This has been fun. Yeah.
5: For Thank you. Having us. Thank you. I
0: love play rehearsal because it's the best <laughs> because it is fun. I love play rehearsal and I get depressed as soon as it's done.
3: Be More Chill is playing at the Signature Theater in New York through September 30th. Like Joe said, if you want to try getting tickets through the show's lottery, go to todaytix.com. Or you can just prepare to buy tickets for the Broadway production, which will begin performances in February of 2019. If you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please subscribe. Give us lots of nice reviews and stars on the platform of your choice. We're on iTunes, but also on Spotify, Google Play, among other places. You can tweet about the podcast using hashtag Billboard on Broadway. I'm at Rebecca Millsoff On Instagram, I'm down with RMM and hope to have you back next week.